All right, thank you so much, Mr. Newsom, for bringing this show live on the air. Happy Monday to you. My name is Gijs Minderhout, located in California. And we await for Winfrey and Teddy Brown, both located in Sedona, Arizona, to present themselves. And it's a Monday evening wildcard. Let's see what's going to happen. And Hi, I see that Welcome, Ellen. Thank you for being here. You do a fabulous job, by the way. I really do. Thank you. As usual, it is a simulcast with a conference call. And this was my brother, Alan, from New Jersey, joining in. Today it is the first day of November 2021. And I welcome the next caller. If you want to, feel free to say your name and location. Joe T. in Issaquah, Washington. Hi, Joe D. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for being here. Thank you. You're welcome. <clears throat> all right. And the BBS listeners, welcome to you all. Happy Monday. Hang in there. You know, right after this one-hour show, we go over to our daily Hope Planet Healing conference call. This is a different phone number. And that show will also be broadcast on this station with BPS. So after <clears throat> the one hour, which is seven o'clock Pacific, hang in there and wait for the other show to come on. Whole planet doing seven days a week we do this. We gather on the conference call and we'll put worldly issues in the light. <clears throat> and, you know, we do different, we go through different segments. You know, I think it's really a blessing to have a whole planet healing going on, where all of us can be of service, I think, in a grand, grand way. It's uh, amazing, I think. All right. And we wait for more people to show up. And again, thank you for being here. I just, I'm going to say something rather than having a, a dead space. I got myself involved in 2009 with, uh, I found a win-free and message a day online that I signed up for. And I received every day an email with usually channeling, parts of a channeling. And it really got me going. It was in 2009, and before that, I thought, you know, you live, you die, make the best of what's in between. And uh, I didn't think God existed, but I have come to a complete a different understanding. And, uh, you know, when you hang in here for a bit and you see what's being presented, 
you know, to me, things started totally making sense. And uh, I advise you do the same. Check it out and see if things resonate with you. At this point, we're at the 6.01 and small crowd over here. Let's see, let me text him to see where he's at. Happy, 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 happy Monday. All right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't have it here. No. I've been reading the book, He Walked the Americas. Good evening, welcome to the conference call. Please say your name and location. Antonio in California. Antoinetto, buenas tardes, senor. Welcome. Buenas tardes, hi. Do you hear that? No, what was it? Sounds like a vacuum in the background. Mm -hmm. We had someone else join in. Happy Sunday, happy Monday, happy what? Yeah, Monday. Please say your name and location. Hi, this is Terry. This is Welcome, Terry. Terry. Hi, Terry. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being here, honey. My pleasure. All right. And welcome to the next caller. Please say your name and location. Yes, Lauren from Fort Washington. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hey. Hello. And the next caller, welcome. Joy, Swim, Welcome, Joy. Hi, Joy. Hi. All right. I think that sound is probably like a computer fan. Hi, Joy, Joy. Okay. Hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. And welcome to the name and location. If you want to, we welcome you. All right. Hello, everybody on BBS. Is Win here yet? No, he isn't. He knows about it. He said he was getting right on, so he should be here. All right. Welcome to the conference call. Please say name and location. And of course, only if you want to, we welcome you. Happy Monday evening. Welcome. Please say your name and location. It's 
Lynn and Sedona. Hi, Lynn.
and then you would know. <laughs> okay, I think everybody wants to hear Rembrandt today, okay? So, you guys on BBS, this is our Monday night wild card night. And anything goes. Sometimes we do replays. Sometimes we have group discussions. And um, sometimes we were just talking about it. Terry, Terry is the person who channels the Elohim and the Rockets and whoever. And um, she has the ability, or let's just say she says she does, and I think she does. I think she does. Uh, remember some of her past lives, okay? She had some notable past lives, and probably we should be recording. Hey, hi. Muted. Are we recording? It is November the 1st. Here we go. The recording has started. This is November 1st, 2021. Wynn and Terry in Sedona. And this is our wild card night. And um, occasionally we've used our Monday night call and Terry has shared her memories of one of her past lifetimes. And of course, she's had a... One of the things um, early on when we started channeling is I learned about one of her past lifetimes. I asked, I said, was Terry ever anybody famous? And they told me, look up St. Catherine of Siena, who I never heard of. And I found the story of this young woman who used to go into the local church in Siena, Italy. They would write down everything she said because they thought God was speaking to them through her. And when she died, it became a book. All of her messages called St. Catherine's Dialogues with God it became a classic of Catholic literature. People still study it, still sold on Amazon. And there's all these Catholic churches that are dedicated to uh, St. Catherine of Siena. And I mute those things. Um, and so, and, you know, Terry was the spitting image of St. Catherine. And she has really ancient memories. And, you know, we talk a lot and she shares things with me. You know, people say time is an illusion and everything happens simultaneously. So Terry remembers things before she came into this realm. She remembers things when she first came into this realm. And, um, and I think she just might be right. Certainly, she was St. Catherine. And so, either we're going to hear a good story, or it's going to be actually something historic. 
and uh, we all have past lives, and Terry thinks it's easy to remember them, <laughs> but I don't think so. And Terry, is it? Why do? You, why is it you can remember that other people can't? Um. Well, I had it as a goal. I didn't used to remember, but I had it as a goal to um, unburden my unconscious, subconscious mind and to find out what was there. And it has led to amazing reviewing discoveries, and among them, is the memory of many of my past lives. I there's still things I can't remember, um, and there's things I <laughs> I decided not to remember about the Rembrandt lifetime. Is one of the things that happens to me is I if I get into a lifetime. Um, there's another one that I'll talk about sometime where I was born into a criminal family. I mean, a bunch of thieves and robbers. And <laughs> I I didn't know any better as I was growing up and being trained um, how to steal and stuff like that. But it seems like my consciousness uh, writes itself. It's like over time, it's like the ethical part of me comes forward and um, and corrects itself. And this happened in the Rembrandt lifetime because I went a little crazy and I went a little unethical. Um, and I'll, I'll um, explain that. But um, I'll start out when uh, I was born in that lifetime, uh, the lifetime of Rembrandt. Uh, oh, I'm glad to hear you. I'm glad to hear you were born. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I I really got along good with my father. And I told my father that I wanted to be a painter um, because I wanted to preserve scenes from the city of Amsterdam, from the people to be able to tell what life was like living in Amsterdam at that time. So I uh, wanted to be a painter. Rembrandt had a very good reputation. I loved his paintings. So I became his apprentice, one of his apprentices. And he would, it was kind of like chaotic. Um, he would assign me work to do to uh, different scenes to paint. And some of them he would use in his his backgrounds and things in his own paintings. Um, and 
I loved colors, and I, I would, um, I loved mixing the paints, and I loved details, and that's one of the things in this lifetime. I have an intense attention to details, and were, were, were you living in your parents' house when you were seeing them? No, I moved into a flat, my own flat, mm-hmm. and he paid me a small amount of money uh, for the work that I did for him, and I did a huge study of other painters. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci was one of them, and I really loved Leonardo da Vinci, so I would read everything I could get a hold of. There was a library in Amsterdam, and I'd go down, and I'd just sit for hours and read book after book. Um, took a long time to get through some of those books. Um, so it, I would really study the whole, the life of Leonardo da Vinci particularly, and also Michelangelo. And I love their paintings, both of them, and I um, would copy scenes of their paintings, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, uh, to get the distinction between the two painters and the different techniques and shading that they used. Um, and <clears throat> In the mornings, I would get up and I would, I spent my whole life intently working on paintings once I started with Rembrandt. I'd get up in the morning and I would go to a little uh, bakery, um, kind of a restaurant cafe, and I'd have a roll and some kind of a hot drink. And I I didn't have very much money, uh, so I would have like a real slim breakfast. I was kind of tall, thin, and I had blonde hair. And um, I, uh, I don't think I was any of his famous students. Uh, but I would, I want to say that Terry painted this lifetime, and I was amazed when I saw her paintings because they were really good, and they were classical kind of paintings. And, uh, yes. You know, do you have any? You know, yes. you have any now? You still have any? Yeah, you know, it's like. John uh, sat on one of my paintings and ripped it, um, and I taped it up the back. I've got I've got paintings in my storage. They're mm-hmm. packaged, really packaged well for preservation, so you can't just go down there and look at them. But sometime we should go and bring them back, and we could. We could we can auction them off. 
Oh, I don't know. I sold most everything I did. I I didn't do a whole lot, but uh, I sold one for four hundred dollars to somebody where I worked. Uh, yeah. I sold yeah. another. Did you study art this life? I did. I studied with the master this life. And, you know, one of the reasons that I chose this life was because my mother was an artist. And I really got excited about that. I would watch her before I was born. I'd watch her drawing. And she would be drawing illustrations for books. So she did different illustrations of different bugs uh, for some kind of, what is it called, entomology book. Uh, She worked for the University of Rochester. Uh, But she was really a good artist. And uh, so when I was a little kid, I started painting, and uh, she looked at it, and she said, where are your shadows? You you have no shadows on anything. This is awful. So anyway, I I I gave up for for a long time when I was a kid. But um, getting made, back to Rembrandt, what she made you feel bad. She made you feel bad, right? Well, she really embarrassed me, like. I, you know, I didn't know anything. I, how could I, how I, how I could have done anything without shadows? She was amazing. She was really good. I've written six books about her and um, haven't published any of them. And and a number of them have pictures that she has um, pen it, done with pen and ink or or even watercolor. I mean, she she was amazing. She was drawing all her time, all the, all the time, from the time she was three. I think she started drawing everything around her. Um, but and she went to Berkeley and graduated in engineering and architecture and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the, getting back Did, to Rembrandt, what go ahead? Can I can. I, question is, did you know her in a past life, or did you just kind of move around in the astral and found, found her and said, this would be a really good person to come into her family? No, I, I found her in the astral. She was drawing so carefully and patiently, and I just adored her. And I wasn't even thinking of being her kid. I was just hanging around watching her do these magnificent detailed drawings. And so then when she married my father and got pregnant and had, and I became her child, um, it just kind of worked into that. Mm-hmm. I was, I didn't. I, I, there was just this huge affinity for her, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to really 
made me happy to watch her drawing. So mm-hmm. that's how I got a. I just happened to see her in, in her energy and just adored it. That's how I got into this family. <laughs> but I, that wasn't even my intention. Now, I, I met Terry's mother. Um, there was a time way back when when Terry's mother was in the car with her son and Terry's brother, and he cracked up the car. And yes. He went into a tree. He drove it into right? a tree. Yes. Then you're, then you're very low volume. Can you get closer to your mic? Uh, is that better? Yeah. I'm on my wrong headset right now, okay? So uh, I could switch. I'll try to switch when there's a moment, okay? Um, but in any case, uh, uh, her mother, was she paralyzed a little bit or? Uh, she couldn't walk. She was in horrendous pain. Uh, she got water, uh, her, got a concussion of the brain and got water on the brain. And so she couldn't even talk. And so Mm -hmm. I. I went back to New York, and I uh, bundled her up, and I took her to Mexico to a clinic and had them uh, look at her, and uh, they they diagnosed the concussion uh, with water on the brain. Then I took her to uh, L.A. and got a really good surgeon um, to do brain operation to... Uh, drain the water off the brain, and then she started to come around, and uh, she would have episodes where she could um, even even walk a little bit and uh, even even uh, talk a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I I, re- I remember, okay, um, when she was in L.A. And she was at Terry's house. And John Sanborn was at Terry's house, formerly known as Socrates. Okay, you guys have probably heard that story. Did we tell that story of you being Socrates' wife? I think we did. Um, One of these days I'll tell the story, that story. Yeah, but in any case, uh, John... She didn't like John, okay? My and, mother didn't like John. And I, uh, I my did, mother didn't I, like any boy, any fellow I ever dated. Uh, including me. Including me. For me. Well, including me, right? You, no, she didn't really have anything to say about you. But you weren't around mm-hmm. her that much. Mm-hmm. So I remember she was sitting in a wheelchair and John would be in the living room and she would be in the living room and she would stare at John and it would drive John crazy. He loved to stare at John and he went crazy. (laughs) And he took all these 
the sulfurs of the of the the upholstered chairs, uh, and he would build a wall around her, and so there was her in the middle of all this, and she <laughs> couldn't move, and she couldn't stare at him because he had her out of view, and she was just sitting in the middle of all these sofas and chairs with her uh, her potty next to her. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I, rem- she, I remember that she... You and I went to a restaurant one time in a little, very nice town near Pasadena. Uh, Sierra Madre. Sierra Madre, right. Do you remember that? We all went out to eat. I remember. I used to take her there every chance. She mm-hmm. she was kind of fun. I mean, she we'd be driving along and she'd see. Oh, look at those palm trees. How do they get up there to keep them so nice and trim? And you'd take her along on the wheelchair on the sidewalk, and she, they had these sloping sidewalks that would enable you to um, take a wheelchair across the street, and then up, and there was no curb to go over. And she'd say, look at the construction of that. That is really something. That is magnificent. And, uh, she she is like a little kid. She gets so excited about stuff. Look at the flowers yeah. in January. <laughs> and and she was she was not an official architect, but she worked for architects, so, I think. But she designed yeah, all she these buildings. Yeah, she worked for architects. She designed, she designed these, like schools and churches. And banks, like uh, she'd pick me up and, and we'd be driving in the downtown, and she'd say, "Let me show you. They just finished the building I designed. Look at this!" And she'd drive me by, and it would be your bank or something with this um, really distinguished design. <laughs> and she lived in Spencerport, New York which was like a suburb of Rochester, a very old town. Very, She lived in a very old house. It seemed like it was two or three hundred years old, right? Yeah, it was built in about 1710 or 17-something. Yeah, and she was always working on her house. She was a little old lady, and, you know, everyone in town knew her. Like, uh, one time, she was building the roof or putting a new roof on our house, right? And right. She was 88 years old, and she was up there um, shingling the roof. Right. <laughs> so she was really her own person, amazingly so. Definitely. You know? Yeah, you know, and, she, uh, she would get very definite ideas. Like, the church in town was very old. It was the first building ever built here, and it was very historically perfect. And she, they were going to put aluminum siding on it. And she said, "Don't do that because when you put aluminum siding on in the sun, it's going to sweat and it's going to decay the wood underneath. It's going to ruin your whole structure." 
And so the day they came to put the siding on, she was somehow got up on top of that tall church roof, and she was screaming at the workers, you cannot put siding on this church. And uh, they had to call some officials to get her down so that they could put the siding on. Um, but she was very opinionated. But <clears throat> even at, in her late 80s, she was teaching at the local school. She she had these um, quilts. She was beautiful quilts. And she would head up a group of girls, and they would make quilts for underprivileged children and all. Um, orphans and stuff, and, and she'd make these beautiful quilts and have a whole gang of women that she would teach how to do it, and they'd make these quilts and make them available to for charities. Um, and she taught quilting at the local school when she was about 80, 88 and 89, and uh, she, she, she was really a go-getter. But we're moving away from Rembrandt. Um, okay, back to Rem, back to Rembrandt. Yes. So in the morning, I would get up, and I had my little flat, and I had kind of a sunroom on the side, and so it'd be real sunny in the morning, and I had all my painting uh, canvases and easels out there, and uh, I'd get up and I'd go to this little um, cafe and I'd order a muffin uh, they could eat something like a English muffin would be now and I would order a hot drink and I'd sit there and drink it and look at all the people and decide which ones would be the perfect subject for a painting and I, I would every day I would choose and that I would um, picture that um, the person, their portrait on a canvas, and um, I would notice their features and their coloring and all about them. And I still do that today when I look at people. I look at them from an artistic point of view. Um, I go to coffee pot for breakfast and I look at all the people and I think, <clears throat> which one would make the best painting or how would uh, that look on a portrait? So, <clears throat> I, I, it's like things that you establish, routines you establish in, in a lifetime that are successful can carry over and bring joy in a later lifetime. Well, I did a series of paintings. I had one, I had a, a model, and she would come over and pose in this white dress, beautiful white dress, and this was like my centerpiece work, 
and she loved her paintings. She she was just ecstatic. She would come over and just look at her painting. Um, and but I paid her. Uh, I couldn't pay her very much, but I paid her what I could to sit for me so I could draw it. And I didn't have a girlfriend, and I really um, just was devoted to painting. And um, but I I really liked that girl. So I had finished a bunch of Rembrandt paintings that were of I did them, but they were in the style of Rembrandt, and they were beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I thought. Uh, and then um, I I was behind on my rent, and I owed money to the model, and I couldn't always go to breakfast, and I was getting kind of thin, and I would use the leaded white paint, and I would um, put the brush in my mouth to point it to get the exquisite details on the paintings, but that Kate was giving me lead poisoning, and I was getting more and more um, diffused, and uh, somebody has ringing the doorbell, but I'm going to ignore it. Um, I was um, getting more, I was getting sicker, but I didn't know about lead poisoning. And so I kept doing this, and I kept getting sicker, and I, I was, my consciousness was getting kind of fuzzy, and my awareness was, uh, had periods of being dizzy from the lead that I was getting in my system. Uh, so um, I was... Uh, Behind on my rent, and behind, uh, I didn't have much money for food. I couldn't uh, pay my model. I was quite behind on paying my model. We're about to do a restraining order, just for the information. I had all of these paintings. And so I thought, I'm going to sell the paintings. And two of art dealers came over, and they looked at them. And the art dealer said that, wow, uh, these are amazing paintings. And they got out their coin and I will give you um, so much money for them. And I was really, I, I was having visions. That it's Now I'm going to be able to pay my model. I'll be able to pay my rent. I'll be able to go to breakfast. And everything is going to be all right. And um, so then there was about eight paintings or maybe even nine paintings in what they were going to buy. And um, then they were negotiating among themselves. They were going to, one of them was going to take that one, another, the other dealer was going to take the other one. And they're kind of fighting over one of them. And, um, so then he had his pointers out and he was ready to pay me 
and he, the one, the one, the lead one, and he just said, "Now these are Rembrandts, aren't they?" And I said, "No, they're mine." And he said, "Well, then, no, it's like, well, that deals off." I thought they were Rembrandts, and the other guy was, "Yeah, yeah, we thought they were Rembrandts." They said, "Well, we can only give you half money," and I said, "No, deals off. Goodbye." <laughs> so they left, and I was like, well, "How am I going to pay my model my rent?" And it's like I was feeling dizzy from the pain, and um, I was, the smell of paint was all around me. And I was sitting on my sun porch. Sometimes when the sun came in, it would kind of even heat up the smell of the paint, and. Uh, so I wasn't even quite thinking straight, and I went over and I put Rembrandt signature on each of the paintings, and then I felt really guilty. This is wrong. This is totally wrong. Um, and and then I said, I I called another art dealer and I sold two of them as Rembrandts, and then. Uh, I kept thinking, like my ethics kept kicking in, this is wrong. And so I took one of my uh, paint knives and I slashed every, I slashed almost every painting, including the girls, the models painting. And so it destroyed it. I destroyed every painting. And, um, then uh, I was getting, I was feeling really sick, you know, from the paint and the lead in the paint. And so then the girl came to the door and she said, can I see my painting? And so I I just ushered her back to look at the painting and it was all flushed and she started yelling at me, saying, "You're mad! You're crazy! You're absolutely insane!" This is she was crying, and uh, I never want to see you again. And she left. So that was the end of that. And then uh, I uh, I just went and I couldn't sell them. I, anymore, I mean, I destroyed them, so I wouldn't be able to sell them. And then um, I just, shortly after that, I just died in my apartment. And um, then this lifetime, I was working across the street from the art museum in L.A., and I went in. And I was looking at the paintings in the Rembrandt section, and I thought, I looked across the room and I, I saw this painting, and I said, I painted that painting, and it has Rembrandt's signature on it, but Rembrandt didn't paint it. I did. And so then I walked across the room and I looked at it, and it, that's exactly what it was. It's like, this painting. Uh, was thought to be a Rembrandt, 
but and it has Rembrandt's name on it, but it wasn't painted by Rembrandt. It was painted by this other guy. But I looked at the name, and it had a lot of. It was a Dutch name, and it had a lot of A's in it. And I thought, I don't even want to know my name. <laughs> uh, I still don't remember who it was, but I know it wasn't anyone that appears in books. Like, a lot of times you go on the internet and you see the students of Rembrandt. My name isn't listed uh, under any of those, but... Um, that was my lifetime as um, Rembrandt, a student of Rembrandt, as a painter, because I painted all the time. I, I'd look at people and imagine how they would appear on canvas. And it was, um, in all, it was a good lifetime. Um, so sometimes I think, well, maybe there would be an art person that would know Rembrandt and would be able to tell me who that person was that had the painting in the LA Art Museum. And, you know, when I looked at it, I thought, you know, I thought such, I was as good as Rembrandt, but when I compared that painting on the wall, with the other paintings of what the paintings Rembrandt had done, I thought, well, I didn't do such a good job on that painting even because I didn't feather out the um, the, the, the reflections on the nose from the light. I didn't feather them out right. And uh, essentially, that was the main thing wrong with what I painted, but it uh, it didn't stand up uh, to the extreme beautiful fine-tuning uh, that Rembrandt had. So that was very interesting. I mean, it looked like a Rembrandt, and it looked really good, but it could have been so, so much better if I'd taken a little more time with it. Mm-hmm. Now... Was was Rembrandt wealthy during the time he lived? Was he sounds like he was wealthy. Sometimes he was yes. wealthy. Sometimes he was really poor. Uh, he had to, he had to keep selling paintings, right? Yes. Yeah, he had a problem with money. Sometimes mm-hmm. he was really well to do. Um, and then and then he let all his students go at some point, because he couldn't support them. He couldn't even keep up his um, his shop. It, it's like, because he, he would owe too much money, and he would get behind, and, and then he would have to, um, he would, oh, somebody's ringing the bell here. Um, so he would, he would get... So, um, anyway, it's probably the most outstanding thing about that lifetime uh, 
spiritually was there. Um, I hear this, uh, like, if I get into some kind of ethical situation in a lifetime, um, I have a tendency to work really hard to correct it. Um, I, I, like, I come to my senses and uh, work really hard to correct it. You're making a lot of noise, Wynn. Wynn? I guess he's muted now. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Sorry? So, that's essentially the, the Rembrandt lifetime. All right, and um, I'll, I'll make an, a mention to people on BBS radio that um, we're going to be on for another hour, and the prime work that we do on these conference calls is we have established a relationship with these two group souls in very high dimensions, the Elohim group and the Ra group. And we talk to them. And they actually send energy into this realm. In the past history, Can hear you win. Um, when? Anyway, um, we've evolved uh, these calls over a period of years. We've been doing these calls since about mm, 2009, and the calls are put up on BBS radio. Uh, for the Wednesday night and the Monday night and the Sunday calls, and so if you miss, I got disconnected. I got, I got, I got disconnected. Okay, so if you miss some of the recordings at the beginnings, you can go and you can check into BBS Radio because they start recording as soon as we're on the air. Um, Um, and I don't think you have to sign up anymore. I think the public can go in and can check out the recordings. Also, we have the spiritchannel.net, which we put these recordings from these calls up on the spiritchannel.net. And, um, the, in some of the cases, we have transcriptions of them, mm -hmm. uh, mainly back in 2010, 11, and 12, and 13, and when um, uh, two people, Suzanne Hayes uh, and uh, Connie, uh, were doing transcriptions, um, and then uh, we ha don't have it 
had as many transcriptions done after about 2013-2014. Now we're doing transcriptions again, um, but um, not we've been doing a special series, the Law of One Made Simple series, which we're going to put out into a book. And another one would be How the Universe Was Created. And Wayne has a book uh, that he put out of uh, the um, Elohim Want to Talk to You. Um, That's not the exact name, but you can also get a free copy of that uh, online. uh, Or we have some physical copies that a person could order that we sell. Back to you, Wynn. Thank you. And all I want to say is um, we're going to be on BBS for another hour. And we do something that we started a couple of years ago, and it's really starting to gel. It's called Whole Planet Healing. And what we learned is um, these Two group souls are both able to be energetically present on our calls when we when we talk about them and when we call on them. And people can feel an energy. And then we create intentions and um, they add to our intentions and can create more positive outcomes for our planet. And this has been going on now for quite some time. And it started out, we used to do it once a week. And occasionally people would have healings. And one time or two times, um, there were two hurricanes that were supposed to hit and cause destruction. And both of them didn't hit. And uh, and it they were both predicted to hit, and the news was saying afterwards, at least on one of them for sure, that they don't understand why it didn't hit because it was supposed to get stronger, and instead it hit as a tropical storm. So we realized that it was working, and it it's led into doing a healing call for our planet and ourselves every night at 7 p.m. Pacific. And on Monday and Wednesday, we put them on the Internet uh, over BBS radio. And it's coming up. So what's going to happen is um, we're going to unmute everybody if it's on the conference call. And they can say goodbye, and then we're going to move to another conference line number, and and but that one is going to be broadcast as well. So if you're listening on BBS, just stay where you are, don't move. And if you're on the phone and you want to call the other number for Whole Planet Healing, it's seven one two seven seven zero four three four zero. Two five zero five one three is the pin, and it's also on the spiritchannel.net. 
And during one of the things we do is we read a little excerpt from an Elohim channeling, and you can get the feeling for who they are and how they function. And um, they don't represent themselves to us as God in any way, shape, or form. They would describe themselves and have described themselves as our higher dimensional friends. They have the ability to help us in things that we can't do for ourselves. So, hi, do you want to unmute everybody? Hello, Hyas. Unmuted. Okay, everyone's unmuted. Is anyone there? Probably not. I unmuted myself. Okay. And thanks to Terry for sharing. Sharing. Oh, it's really late, isn't it? 658, we're good. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Ben. Thank you all for being here. And let's go to Whole Planet Healing. And if you're listening on the Internet, just hang on. You'll hear a bunch of people checking on, and you'll see what we do. Okay? So over and out, and we'll see you in two minutes. This session is no longer being recorded. Hello, everyone. All right, you're on BBS Radio. Yay! We're ready to start. Ready, go. Jennifer isn't here yet. Welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Hi, it's me, Juanita from Long Beach, California. Hi, Juanita. Hi, everybody. Hey, Juanita. It's Antonio from Kingsford, California. Welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Hello, this is Noni from Southern California. Hi, Noni. Hi, Noni. Hi, Noni. Everybody's here but Jennifer. And Bonnie. So we have somebody to take her place. Yep. Welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Roger in Austin. Hi, Roger. Hi, Roger. Hi, Roger. Welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Hi, Antonio. It's Jennifer from Greensburg. Hi, everyone. Hi, Jennifer. There you are. We're so happy to have you with us. The gang is all here. We're so happy to be here. When when will the... Welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Yes, it's Joy in Squim, Washington. Hi, Joy. Hi, Joy. Hi, Joy. Hi, hi, hi. (laughs) When will be Bonnie for tonight? He he will be Bonnie and Jennifer, I think. 
No Jennifer is here. <laughs> but here. I mean, it's, it, it's oh, oh yeah. <laughs> or hey, Ben, you want to start early? Seven oh four. Bonnie, aka Jennifer. Pardon? I said Bonnie, aka Jennifer. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always laughing when he says that. We're mm-hmm. interchangeable. Actually, it's Jennifer, <laughs> a.k.a. Bonnie. No, oh, okay. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> all right. I thank you all for being here. And, Vin, are you present? Hmm. Um, when I hear him talking, That's not yes, I'm yeah. here. I'm sorry, oh, I was, I was okay. muted. Muted. So November first. Here we go. The recording has started. This is November first, two thousand twenty-one. Whole planet healing. A co creative interdimensional exercise in group consciousness and creating miracles and more positive outcomes for our planet. And I call this an experimental call. In fact, I don't know what I'm doing. And we we talk to these guys in other dimensions, okay? And started out in 2002, and I um, wasn't sure what to do with it. They were answering really deep, profound questions, and I didn't really dare talk about it because I was in the middle of writing the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, and then it was released. It was controversial enough to tell people that Edgar Casey had reincarnated, and um, I really couldn't mix in um, the fact that while I was writing the book, I got contacted in the most extraordinary way with information and miracles and whatever. But after probably about six months after I started talking about the book, I gave a talk in Pasadena at something called the Shumay Center. And, uh, and it was a fellow by the name of Roy Gibbons that had a meeting and potluck dinner every Friday night. And we lived in Pasadena, and I got to know Pasadena. And I told Roy the story of what was happening for me. And he said, you got to talk about that. And I said, no, 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 no. He said, no, yes. And so I did. And it was the very first time I talked publicly about the Elohim. And um, and it's been onward and upward 
ever since. And it was, I, I considered it experimental because I was not about to give up my power and say, listen to these guys and they're going to tell you what to do. And they didn't want me to do that. They just wanted me to ask questions. And my questions started getting deeper and and I started taking in the way they answered them and then I answer, asked deeper questions in the future. And then there was this phenomena of energy when I gave talks. I could see light energy and so could other people in the room. And for about six months, I was driving all over California doing these talks to see if that would keep happening. And it did. And when I asked them about it, they said, that was us. We were helping you. And, I mean, it blew me away that that was happening. And um, finally, I said, you know, I think this is really important, but I can't afford to keep doing this. I'm not making enough money to pay my expenses. And sometimes I would be sleeping in my car, okay? And um, I said, could you do this on a conference call? And they said they could. And um, that's how, that was the advent of conference calls. Now, I never told people on a conference call that that was happening or coming in. Uh, I didn't know if they would, I still don't know. I don't know if, if everybody experiences it. But I know a lot of people do. And the people that are um, kind of the facilitators for this call have been coming now for years. They're volunteering. They know it's real. And um, I don't know if she'll talk, but I'll introduce her. She doesn't want to talk. Just don't say anything. Okay? Hang on. Are you there? I am here. Hello, everyone. That's Kathleen. In this is Kathleen Ver in Vermont. In Vermont. And, you know, Kathleen has been paying attention to my work peripherally for now oh, a couple of years, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I can't remember. How did you discover me? I actually came... I was punching in the title for a similarly named spirit, uh, spiritual website, and I came to yours by accident. Ha, ha, ha. No mm -hmm. thing. Okay. It's 10 it's Actually, 10 on purpose, right? <laughs> all right. Well, in any and case. It's been all wonderful things. She, she's been threatening to come to our calls, and she hasn't until yesterday. And, uh, I said, geez, I hope she feels something. I, I, I hope she gets the energy on it. And if you would, would if you don't mind, uh, would, would you share very briefly what you experienced yesterday on this call? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I immediately, upon being greeted by the person who asked me if I wanted to state my name and where I was from, I felt a sort of energy almost creeping over me or washing over me, not creeping. <laughs> but it was it was slowly coming to me and, and I 
sort of magnetized myself to it and just sort of tuned in and listened to what everyone was offering and the power just seemed to increase exponentially throughout the call with everyone's intentions, with the research they had done, with the various offerings they were providing. And I had been very unwell for some time physically, but my spiritual aspects are just booming and I'm still very excited to be able to participate. And I did join another call at one time um, in which the, the very same feeling overcame me. And I was feeling much healthier at the time. And I think I was more able to access the energy because I wasn't focused on my physical discomfort. But at that time, same thing. I could feel the energy of not just the group consciousness, but the, and there is no separation, actually, I understand, but the other energies that are with us, that join us on the calls, were so powerful and so loving that I just felt quenched spiritually. So I'm back and I don't plan on going anywhere. Thank you, Wynn. Well, thank you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And, um, and if somebody is listening and they don't feel that energy, Kathleen happens to be someone who's an old soul who's very sensitive. And some people, they have to come to our calls for a while before they feel that energy. And um, and we have people, in fact, some of the people that are facilitating on this call were listening to the call, our calls on BBS radio for a year or two years, three years. And finally, they said, shit, I think this is real. And... And it was onward and upward from there. It is very unusual to give people the opportunity to make these kinds of connections without any kind of dogma or religiosity. Um, But it's definitely come into the category of a religious-type experience where you feel the oneness of everything. And um, I'm going to turn it back over to myself because I'm the, tonight I am the guy doing the, the transitions, okay? And I, in the early part of talking to the Elohim, I was trying to vet them, and I didn't know who they were, and I wasn't sure I could trust them, and so I asked them some amazing vetted vetting questions, and it was like, um, over time, everything they told me it was true, um, but I didn't know it. I didn't have the experience of it. I had the experience, and and then 
other people had the experience as well. So here is one of my vetting questions. And the question was, how can an individual have some personal experience that they are really having a connection with an interdimensional source, such as the Elohim? What are the physical signals and evidence that would confirm they're having a connection? Now, I believe this question was probably sometime in 2003, and it was before I had given a public talk where I experienced this, and the people in the room experienced it. So here was their answer. There can be a light appearing to the individual, surrounding and providing a loving space around the individual. It's a love light surrounding the individual, which the individual can sense. That is one of the first signs of connection. Secondly, if a person is directed to the light, an answer may form as if a thought in the seeker or the asker. One must use discernment in accepting an answer. If an answer does not fit your question or fit your recognition of what is right, you may have been contacted by a negative source which has intercepted the connection line. Do not ever pursue this, but reset and connect to the Elohim source or the Ra source. Which reminds reminds me, when would you like to call in the light? Oh, (laughs) thank you, Cecil. We'll we'll do it right after I finish this thing. Okay, just one more sentence. The thought will have a resonance within you of correctness. Do not accept an answer unless it resonates as a correct and informative answer. And I did this out of line. I don't usually do this. Bonnie usually reads something. And what we do to start the calls is an invocation to bring the energies in, create a group consciousness, and create a protective energy around this group. And I'm going to turn it over to Cecil. We call this calling in the light. Thank you, Wynn. Father, Mother, God, the one infinite creator, we ask for the presence of the light to surround and protect everyone in attendance, including those on BBS radio, and any negativity be taken to the highest realms of light and be transmuted for the highest and greatest good of all concerned. We see ourselves in the flow of energy radiating from the center of the universe through the galaxies, through our galaxy, the Milky Way, through our solar system, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, through our bodies, and into the center of the Earth. Right now, we invoke a group energy connection with all those present who are open to do so while maintaining 
the sovereign integrity of our souls. We invite those sources who are positive, service to others, honoring the law of one, to join with us. We create a protected space that only the positive has access to. Anything not of that nature must leave now. And back to you, Wynn. Thank you, Cecil. So the next thing we do is with Jennifer. And she's going, she runs down every day all the earthquakes and volcanoes that happened in the past 24 hours. And as she does this, we are going to be sending calm energy and requesting our sources to be working on this with the hope of reducing future catastrophes on our planet. And on that note, as she does this, just think calm energy on each location. And Jennifer, are you there? I am. (laughs) Can you hear me? Great. Yeah. Okay. I invite everybody on BBS, if you're new to this, just follow along with us and enjoy the ride. I invite Mother Earth to join us in our quest around the globe, spreading calming energy in all the places that need it. And today we've had a very interesting day in the world. Um, We always start out in Hawaii, and yesterday was a really calm day there. Today we had a little bit of more, a little bit more activity. Um, we had Pahala. When I checked oh, a couple hours ago, there had been 58 earthquakes there. 3.0 was the largest, so that's still within the range of not being too worrisome. Now Pahala is south of Mauna Loa, and this is in the, the lava field. There's just constant fractures through there. I believe they call that the slump. And then we're going to move towards Mauna Loa, which is a little bit north. And we did have a 2.1. And there were one, two, three, four, five up of it on the, on the mountains. There are five ex- events, all small, but nonetheless, um, more than there was the last couple of days. And then moving over to Kilauea, and nothing right in uh, the volcano itself, but there is some activity down south of it. And that is, uh, there was a 2.5 in that area. So, and there was also one in the sea. This has um, 2.2, I don't know how to say this Hawaiian word, but it's in the sea, and it is south of the island. And several times it has um, had an event. So I'm assuming, well, there's a reason under there why it's doing that. Let's just take a real quick moment and send calm down to this region. Uh, Mother Nature has to do what Mother Nature has to do. But we ask, there are a lot of people there, there are animals there, and we ask that they occur slight, slightly. These swarms are good, the low-level swarms, because it does alleviate. And we ask to calm down the hot spot that the island sits on, and also the fracture zone, 
And this, under seamount, there's so much activity under there that we can't see. And then we're going to move down south from here, down to the New Zealand area. And since I've been checking the North and South Islands, I've noticed they tend to run in the threes. It's no big deal. 3.1 on the South Island, 3.3 on the North Island, and 3.9 in the sea. And then we're going to move north. The uh, fracture or the fault line that runs through New Zealand runs right up through both of the islands and then up to the Kermadec Islands. There was a 4.4. A little bit further north, we come to Fiji, 4.6. A little bit further north of that, Tonga, 4.8. And now we're going to continue westward and we come to the Loyalty Islands, and we had a 5.0. And then continuing along that line, we had a 4.6 in Vanuatu, 4.4 in Papua New Guinea. And then we come to Indonesia. Indonesia today, way out on the crescent, in an area called Sinabang, um, there was a 6.0 and a swarm of rather large in size, uh, seismic events. So I'm speaking of like fives and fours. And then we also had a little bit of volcanic activity there. We had the Ibu, Merapi, and there is a camera on Merapi, and it does have lava flowing down the sides. It was very pretty today, actually. And then we're going to turn towards the north, and we're going to come up to Japan, where there wasn't a whole lot of anything going on today. We have 3.8. <clears throat> Continuing north to Russia, we had a 4.4 out on the Kuril Islands. <clears throat> and this is the island chain that runs from Japan to Russia. Um, that is the western side of the Ring of Fire. So it's always busy. And we also had a volcano today on this uh, area. Um, Karinsky that was erupting. And now we're going to swing towards Alaska. Had a very calm day, 3.8 out on the Aleutian, and a 3.3 Clam Gulch, which I love that name. And then we're going to come down through Canada, which nothing was reported, and then down into Washington. We had a 2.1 It's Gahomish. And also Mount Rainier and Mount St. Helens are both rumbling, as they were yesterday. So let's just send calm to those volcanoes. Um, we really don't, well, you know, we don't want uh, any explosive activity there. <clears throat> and then we move down to Oregon. We have 3.8 on on. One of those fracture zones, this, is, this one in particular is called the Blanco Fracture Zone, but it's part of Cascadia Basin. And this is that location that's always under duress. And uh, then we come down into California, where we have the geysers. Everything was under two there. Thankful for that. The San Andreas Fault. We had a 2.6. <clears throat> in the sea, very close to San Clemente Island. 
And then we also have the Walker Swarm, which has calmed down today. And Ridgecrest Swarm, which we did have 2.2. That was about all for California. And then I do want to mention and draw attention to Stanley, Idaho, which is part of the um, Yellowstone Caldera system. We had 2.2, and it is always swarming right in that region. And then, of course, West Yellowstone uh, had low levels, twos and less. And then it is, it is all connected. <laughs> so we've just been calm to Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, while we're at it, Utah and Nevada. And then uh, we had a 4.5 in New Mexico. And I'm not, I don't have any information on that, and I don't know why that occurred or how it, you know, if it was uh, caused man-made or what. So I'll have to research that one a little bit. And then we moved down to uh, Mexico. We had 3.8 in the Gulf of California, and nothing but fours down through Mexico. Moving further south, we come to Guatemala. No seismic to speak up, but Fuego. Their volcano is erupting. Then we come down into El Salvador. Here's where all the tension went today. We had a 5.0 and a 4.4, and they're in the same place, just offshore. And then moving southward um, into Costa Rica, we had a 4.1, and Panama, a 4.2. And then taking a quick look, at the other side of the Caribbean plate, we're going to go all the way over to um, Haiti, where we had threes, 3.2 and less. Puerto Rico, 3.7 and less. Uh, Virgin Islands, we had a 4.0. And then we come over to, it's a leeward island, Anguilla. And if you're not sure where that is, it's close to St. Martin. It would be between Anguilla and St. Martin. There was a 5.0 there today. And there was also a 4.1 that was not, um, it's in the same region, but it wasn't on top of the other one. So you see, if you stand back and you look, uh, this plate is being squished by what's going on over in South America. So let's just send calm to the whole location, the whole area there. And then we're going to move back over to uh, South America, Colombia. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, seismic there today. Colombia had Nevado del Ruiz erupting. Ecuador had Reventador. And then we come down into Peru. We did have a 4.5. And Sabancaya is erupting. <clears throat> and then down into Chile, where we had a 4.0. And around the southern tip of South America, and we come over to the east where we come to the South Sandwich Islands, and we had a 6.1 there today, and some other assorted, the 5.0 and 4.7. Now we're going to travel north and all the way up the mid uh, mid Atlantic Ridge. We're going to send calm. This ridge is pulling apart, and it occasionally really hits hard. So 
were going to come all the way up to the Canary Islands. When I checked about 8 o'clock, they had had 176 earthquakes today, 4.0 and less. And I did notice that the um, earthquake activity seems to be fanning out off the island into the sea towards the east. I don't know what that means, but let's just send an extra added calming to the island there, Canary Islands region. And then we're going to move across the Strait of Gibraltar where we have swarms two. We did have a 3.6 in France. Italy just had two. 3.7 in Greece. 3.6 in Turkey. And then the south of Turkey, we have um, Saudi Arabia. And then south of that, we have Yemen. Just south of Yemen, we have the Gulf of Aden. And there was a 4.5 there. That is a fracture zone there. It's quite um, precarious, let's say, and prone to uh, seismic. <clears throat> and then we come a little bit back up north to the Caucasus region. It has 3.8 and 3.9 in Iran and a 4.7 in China. And that brings us back to the point of origin which is really um, a ring of fire. And I just want to say thank you to everybody. And if you're new to this call, I hope you enjoyed this little venture. We do it every night, and Mother Earth joins us, and we just spread, up, spread our calm around. Thank you very much. And back to you, Wynn. Thank you, Jennifer. Now we're going to open up the mics so that anyone on the on the call, on the conference call, can put any issues that they are noticing on the planet right now that that we don't have the attention of. They can put that into this field of energy for positive outcomes. We can't promise positive outcomes. (laughs) We have had many conversations with our sources and um, um, and they've explained how what allows them to do an intervention, and it has to do with the collective energy of our planet, and whether it's swaying towards the positive or the negative. But we are a powerful group and are making a difference. And uh, let's open up the mics right now. Are you on the console, guys? Unmuted. Wonderful. This is Jeannie in Citrus Heights. I would like to put the awakening consciousness of all humans into the light. I ask the Elohim to help each individual to raise their frequency to a point where each of us is able to instantly spot any being who might be trying to use and abuse any part of humanity so that we may instantly adopt a posture of non-cooperation with the negative forces. May the numbers of awakened persons grow quickly and as a group, as a family, May our increasing numbers and strength quickly overcome and dissolve any negative intentions. Thank you. 
Amen. And this is when, and I would like to put out there that many more people find this little work that we're doing, because not only does it create shifts, but it creates shifts in the people that are coming to this call over time, sometimes right away, but usually it's over time because it's hard to believe that it's real, and they have to get their belief patterns out of the way till they have some kind of experience. And that's all. Tom and San Jose, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Tom and San Jose asking that all the people working to expose the current election fraud get uh, support and protection and support and protection for all the people trying to fix uh, our election process in line with the Constitution and the founding of our country. Special support and protection for Sidney Powell, Mike Lindell, and for Mike's symposium, and blessings to Morgan. Thank you. Go ahead, Jennifer. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, Tom. Uh, this is Jennifer, and I would like to put everybody on the call into the healing love life for whatever the individual's need is. I also want to extend this healing energy to our BBS listeners and also our families and our loved ones and also our pets. Um, I would like to send Win and Terry love light energy. We're going to bubble them up, as Fred always says, in love light energy. And we also want to send Terry a little extra added vitamin C so she can get better from her cold. And I also want to mention Cecil and Betty in Washington who need our prayers. Monica and Larry, Lauren in Washington, Tom in San Jose, Dr. Art in Virginia, White Dove and Willow in Oregon, Phyllis in Washington, Joe T., I believe she's in Washington, uh, Antonio Jr., Antonio Sr., and also Abby. And I would like to add myself to this field of energy. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to offer the request that all of those who suffer from addiction to substances of any kind, but especially those propagated and pushed on the general public instead of appropriate love and care and treatment, that these individuals be put into the light and be raised up and freed from this horrific scourge that so many of our young people are dying from and that many of us older people who have had pain for years suffer the effects of by virtue of needing to use some of these substances. Thank you. Yes, very good. Beautiful. Muted. It's Lynn again, and um, we are going to do a guided visualization right now over 
the out-of-balance situations that are on our planet. Not all of them, but all of them are included, even if we don't mention them. And we just use our imagination and imagine we have a group energy that we have reached above our normal human consciousness and we are meeting in a dimension where we are one. And we're not gone there. We're just there for this few moments of this call. And that our sources are also part of that energy. And we're going to surround our planet with this group energy. And we are going to beam down love light energy, Christ consciousness energy, to the surface of our planet, every square feet, foot, and ask that anywhere that energy be can be received, that it be done so, and it support all positive future for planet Earth. And we emphasize the humans who, we call them service to others, not perfectly, but majoritively, um, who are in their own way making a difference to lifting the consciousness of our planet. Those people that have group meditations, those people who are inventing things to make free energy available, those people who are standing up and revealing all the inconsistencies that are happening in our media and our government. And those people that just go out in the world and radiate love and can smile at strangers. And all of us can be one of those people as well. We go to the children of our planet and the young people who are most sensitive to this energy, but still not very wise, most of them. And we ask as they get older, they can get wisdom and still connect with this energy and be part of the forward movement of the upliftment of vibration on planet Earth. We go to the trees and the plants and the grass and the flowers, everything that grows from the ground that picks up the energy of higher realms through their leaves, moves it through their branches, their trunks, their stems, and their roots into the earth. 
And we just bless them in this process. We go to the insects of our planet, particularly the insects that are part of the balance of nature, like the bees, and ask that particularly those species that are important in that can maintain their existence here and not go extinct. We go to the fish and the sea life and the dolphins and the whales. Now we take this energy that we're radiating and we move it through the surface of the earth into the energy field of Mother Earth herself. And the Earth it is alive. The Earth can think. The Earth can make decisions. And the Earth can suffer because the Earth has to process all the humans on her surface and their activities, like nuclear explosions, like fracking and deforestation. And we're going to send healing to Mother Earth right now. And you can see your energy moving through the ground. And some of you might feel the energy of the Earth coming up through your floor and showing her gratitude to us. They've told us that Mother Earth is on our call and paying attention. We go to the energy waves that travel through, through the Earth that terminate in potential earthquakes and volcanoes. And we send the energy of calm. We go back to the surface of the Earth. And we go to all the fault lines on our planet. And um, the fault lines are the potential catastrophes of the future. And we're going to send them calm energy. And the three major earthquake zones, in particular, the Ring of Fire, which is the land masses surrounding the Pacific Ocean, the New Madrid fault line, centered in St. Louis and the surrounding states, and we see a column of light, hundreds of miles in diameter, penetrating through the ground and to the fault lines underneath the ground, bringing calm energy. We go to the Mid-Atlantic fault line, running from the North Pole through Iceland, through the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, thousands of miles long, to the tip of South America. And we put a longitudinal column of light 
along that entire fault line and send energy through the water into the ground underneath the water with calm energy. Any other fault lines and potential volcanoes, potential earthquakes on our planet, we ask our sources to help find them and to help bring calm energy to every one of them. And any earthquakes and volcanoes that need to occur to help the Earth release stress can happen gradually and away from population centers. We go to all of those activities that are happening right now of what some people call the negative elite or the cabal that are activities that do not honor free will. They're based on subjugation and trickery and lies. And we ask for the highest good of all concerned that there be obstacles in their execution of their plans. And that some of them might come to realize that every human is an aspect of all that is, whether they know it or not. And as you do this to one, you do it to all, as well as to yourself. And it's the creation of karma, but sometimes karma can take a number of lifetimes before it shows itself. So we ask that that process can be speeded up and that some of those people who are involved in that might develop compassion and switch their agenda. We go to the people who are suffering, and many people in this realm suffer. They suffer because they don't have enough money. They can't feed their family. They're lonely. And they're being abused one way or another in a relationship or by just the circumstances that they have to cope with where there's not enough water and things are breaking down. And we send all of these people this Christ energy, this light, 
making it available for them to reach for, if they so choose. And we ask that the causes of suffering can be eliminated when it's for the highest good of all concerned. We go to the fires that may or may not still be happening, and I think they are, but I haven't kept good track of it. And we just ask for rain and weather conditions that don't support the spread of the fire. We mention Afghanistan and I don't know how to ask for that to be resolved, but I know that many people are in danger, people are being killed, many Americans are trapped there, and we ask that this situation can work itself out. And we ask for all these immigrants that are being allowed into our country as a circumstance that needs to be worked out. There's some weird agendas connected with it. We go to droughts and we ask in all those areas of our planet where there's droughts, there can be rain, gentle rain, over a longer period of time that can fill the reservoirs and water the plants, and in particular, populated areas and places where animals are dependent on water to survive. We go to the governments of our planet and we ask for qualities of leadership that if we can't have them now, that they will come in in the future. And qualities of leadership that make people feel safe and cared for. Qualities like benevolence compassion, wisdom, courage, integrity, and ethics. And we ask that those countries who are adversarial with each other can find ways and means to settle their differences without violence, and also groups that are adversarial that may even be in the same country. We go to interventions, and we ask our realm is protected from nuclear weapons going off. We ask for transmutation of toxic 
materials. And we mentioned coronavirus and its variations. We ask for strengthening of the immune systems of humans. And we ask for transmutation of toxic materials in vaccines, anything in food, air, water, or medicine, which is toxic, that it be transmuted and rendered harmless. We now bring this energy back to ourselves. We see the flow of love, light, Christ consciousness moving through the universe, through the galaxies, through our galaxy, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, and landing on our own rooftop where we have an energy filter that only lets positive energy through. And if we're comfortable, we invite this energy into our home and transmute any negativity in our living environment. Turning our environment into a sacred space. And this energy surrounds our home, protecting our home from negative vibrations in the world. And finally, we bring this energy into our own bodies, coming in from the top of our head, moving down through each chakra, opening it up, expanding our energy field, breaking down blocks, healing us where we need it, activating our DNA, we're going to end the verbal part of this call, we're leaving the lines open, so those of you that want to hold this space for as long as you like, can do so. When Terry and I speak to the Elohim and we're finished a conversation, they say, we leave, but we do not leave. And that means they're available 24-7. And they're going to be on this call for those of you who want to hold the space in silence.
I thank everybody for being here and helping us hold this energy. I welcome anyone who's new on the line, and we hope you'll check back again. And on that note, we're going to bring this call to a close. We'll see you the next time. This session is no longer being recorded.